0: welcome to the wedding film academy podcast
1: your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business here's your host lumix luminary and wedding filmmaker jordan bunch hello and welcome to i was gonna say another episode this is 95 episode ninety. Freaking five. Isn't that incredible? I am so pumped. We are excited because we're coming up on a hundred and so episode ninety-five of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. I am here with none other other with none other than our amazing producer, Taylor Juarez. Hey. Taylor, I'm excited to chat with you because this is For so many people, this is a slower season, Um, especially those people who are really focused exclusively on weddings and exclusively on local weddings, and they happen to live in colder climates. This can be a really difficult time of year for a lot of people who are in that place. Or, you know, maybe they just uh, love chilling and are not too worried about it. But if you are looking to make 2019 your best year ever, if you're looking to make it the most profitable year you've ever had, then this is the time when you need to get to work, right? Yes. So I want to continue this series. We had a great episode last week. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you definitely need to check that one out. But we're going to do another series here on, or another episode here of this series, all about what to be doing to grow your business when you're not shooting in the winter season. So, um, Taylor, if you are a new listener, then you may not know that Taylor is, in addition to the producer of this podcast, she is also the studio manager um, for my company, uh, Ladybird Studios. She's also one of our fantastic lead filmmakers, but... Um, more relevant to so this conversation. She is our studio manager. So Taylor, I want to talk about, we, we're we definitely blessed in that we live in a warmer climate. We do mostly local weddings, but we live in a warmer climate in Austin, Texas. Um, so we don't have a whole lot of a down season. We definitely have slower months, although our slower months are probably would be busy months for a lot of people because... You know, we still have quite a few weddings in January and February, uh, Our November and December were are, were and have been and are going to be pretty wild, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're yeah. definitely not done. December is slightly less busy than November, but still a pretty peak season for us, which is nice because we can have a lot of business and get a lot of weddings in and stuff before the holidays. So that's always a great thing.
1: How many weddings do we have in November?
0: Um, probably 13 or 14. December, we're looking at 11. Okay. So, yeah, pretty high volume.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, uh, January and February, we've got a few. We're also going to be doing some traveling in January and February, and also focusing in on a lot of bridal shows and stuff. So, it's definitely. We don't have too much of a of a slow season. If we have a slow season at all, it's like August because it's really blazing hot, and people in Austin love to have outdoor weddings, which is great because you can pretty much do it year round, except when it's really stinking hot. Although people still do it, right?
0: Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, they do. <laughs>
1: um, but let's talk about what we're doing on a regular basis to make sure that we don't have slow seasons. That's really important to us is we just, we don't want to have a slow month and uh, it's extremely rare that we do. And so I thought it'd be helpful to talk about from a wedding exclusive sort of side of things because our last, um, our last episode talked about weddings, but more about the corporate side of things and kind of how to stay busy on that side. So this episode if you are someone who just does weddings and is really only interested in doing weddings, then this episode is for you because Ladybird Studios focuses exclusively on weddings and stays busy 12 months out of the year. So, Taylor, give me some big, big stroke ideas. What, what are the things that we're doing on an ongoing basis that people should especially focus on during their slower months? In order to make sure that in 2019, they don't have slower months.
0: Well, um, something I try to stay on top of regularly, which during our busier seasons can be more difficult. But I like to always be going through our content, video and photo. And making sure that I have enough stuff set aside that I can be scheduling to post on social media. And doing it on a regular schedule. So that, you know, you want to stay active on social media, especially during the slower months, um, because people still want to see what you're up to. They're still interested in who you are and what you do, even if you're not shooting every weekend. So I think it's super important, especially during like winter holiday season, brides and couples are going to be getting engaged. They're going to be on social media a lot. They're going to be thinking about their weddings. Like holiday season is a time I imagine people actually have the downtime to plan their weddings and think about stuff like that. So if you can stay active during that season, I think that's super important and that will kind of make you stand out, especially if you're engaging with brides and couples on social media or like TJ said last week, kind of looking around and seeing who's been engaged recently in your area and kind of starting to like some of their stuff. That can definitely help kind of keep your presence alive Um, Something else that I think is super important is keeping your website updated, which I think you should do at least once a year. Um, Something that I'm definitely going to be working on come January at the start of the new year is updating our website, You know, switching out the videos that we have on our homepage that are featured, switching out photos, uh, making sure our work is pretty current, um, probably within the last six months, I would say, and then making sure, you know, kind of all the the odds and ends of the website are in order is there anything we need to tweak any language you know we've done some pricing changes and little language changes throughout the year so stuff like that you kind of deal with regularly but when you have downtime kind of looking over your whole website and maybe you want to rethink your design a little change up some colors kind of giving your website a refresh during your downtime is a really good use of your time Mm.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think that's certainly one thing that a lot of people probably neglect is just their, their web presence in general, but in particular their website. Um, we were talking about this the other day because as people who are, you know, always trying to be leaders in the industry, we want to, um, have a good pulse on what's going on. And so, you know, we do visit a lot of, uh, a lot of else websites To kind of check out what other people are doing, get new ideas, inspiration. And one thing I see a lot of is that people have really seemingly old information on their website. Um, You know, they are not updating things on a regular basis. Um, We were talking about this the other day where somebody had um, it said on their thing like 2015 pricing or something. And this is, you know, the end of 2018 here. So, that's something that definitely I know probably a lot of people are guilty of neglecting. And so absolutely fantastic time to be investing in that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And kind of going back to the idea of social media, um, it's a great time for you to kind of go through, you know, what is your best work from the year? You know, what is the stuff that you really feel like you want to post on your social media? And, you know, how often you post is totally up to you. You know, I would say that kind of thing varies depending on how busy you are. For a volume brand like us, you know, it makes sense for me to be posting every single day because we have so much content that we can do that. You know, it just kind of depends how many weddings you shoot a year, how often you want to post. You want to do maybe a combination of video clips, you know, little pieces from your films, screenshots, you know, if there's other things you want to mix in there. Um, but go kind of go through your videos from the year and there's a really like, I mean, there's lots of different apps that do this, but the one I like to use is called trim and cut and I will literally just airdrop videos to my phone and then I'll splice them up into different clips that are less than 60 seconds for Instagram and I'll be posting video clips all the time in addition to photos and screenshots of videos. So that's something that it takes time. Um, and like I said, sometimes it's trickier in the busier seasons, but sit down, take some of your films, cut them up into a bunch of small clips and have them ready to go on your computer and you're going to have content to post going forward. So
1: yeah, I actually did a video on our YouTube channel a while back about uh, creating videos exclusively for Instagram. So that's certainly something that you could do if you're trying to offer you know, an extra service to your clients. But if you're really not trying to do all the extra work of creating a whole different cut, you know, a one minute cut, an under one minute cut, um, then yeah, do like Taylor said, just it's so easy just to chop up, you know, 30 seconds, a minute of a video and put it on there or look for those great moments, watch through some of your videos and do those screenshots, you know, even if you're only shooting in 1080, you know, it's plenty good enough for... Uh, for Instagram so you can make these screenshots and they're still gonna look fantastic so you can also post you know these still images I also think one thing I've seen a lot of people do I think is really interesting is thinking about seasonal content so you know it might be cool like people thinking about when people are probably planning their weddings most people you know nine to twelve months out is probably pretty standard I know obviously people do more and um, longer engagements and shorter engagements, but that's probably, you know, nine to 15 months, probably pretty standard. So if, if that's sort of the average, then you can think if people are planning a winter wedding, they might be, um, you know, planning it during the winter, at least in the early stages of the time where they might be thinking about hiring photographers and videographers. So, you know, if you've got some of that content posts, you know, content that's more winter specific even, um, but be thinking about trying to get into the mind of your brides and grooms. Um, one thing that Taylor also does on a regular basis that I think is really helpful is posting content that is just helpful to brides and grooms who are planning their weddings in general, whether or not it's specifically about us in the way that i um, like you run our blog. Uh, maybe say something about that
0: yeah, so um we have a blog on our website which I post to every single week, every Monday. And now that we've become like a lot busier and have a lot of content, I do tend to post um, probably two thirds, you know, weddings that we've done. Um, it's great now that we do photo too because I can post I post weddings where we've done photo, where we've done photo and video, or just the video, but then I'll feature the other photographer's photos. But I I feature a lot of weddings that we've done, and, you know, I tag all the vendors involved. But, you know, kind of in between, I also, you know, add in other things like top 10 wedding dresses for 2018, or here's some great winter wedding favor ideas, or just anything that's kind of relevant to the industry. You know, and I'll kind of just, I'm always browsing on the web, looking at Pinterest, looking at blogs looking at you know articles and so I get ideas and I kind of compile things and you know I'm always like saying where my sources came from and when I'm compiling blogs like that but it's great to just kind of have consistent content because first of all that helps in your SEO which I don't know a lot about but if you're continually posting you know it's going to help your website overall but also like people are going to see that they're going to go to the website and be like oh wow look look at this meaty blog page that they have they post every week um, and I've got the dates on there so you can see that I post every week and I've had actually now kind of a handful of brides that'll be like hey yeah actually I saw this wedding on your blog or I was looking at your blog or something will come up about the blog and so it's just another like reminder that oh that stuff does matter because now that we've kind of been going for a few years and I've been running our social and our website for a few years. I'm really starting to see that return on investment there. Um, People coming to me saying, I found you on Instagram. I saw you on Facebook. I came across your blog. So that kind of stuff is definitely super important when you're thinking about the growth of your business long term. And it's not an immediate result. So you just have to be willing to start planting those seeds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think think a lot of people have sort of assumed that that stuff is dead because I haven't seen people talk about blogging. It used to be sort of the hot topic. Everybody was, everybody was blogging or at least had the understanding that you should be blogging. And, uh, I think for a lot of people, they've come to the conclusion that that's dead, but I, I really don't think that's the case at all. It's still, like you said, it's, it's the things that always help to boost your social media. I mean, it to boost your, your SEO results. It's, it's uh, valuable information. So if you can share that blog on social media A bride might be more interested, if she is planning her wedding, she might be more interested in looking at, you know, uh, 10 floral arrangement ideas for a winter wedding. She might be more interested in that than in looking at your wedding video, to be frank, you know, just because of the state of mind that she's in at the current moment for planning her wedding. So that might be something that's more clickable for them. And if they're clicking on that and it takes them to your website, um, now they begin to explore other content on your site and they've been introduced to you by you just offering valuable information to them that has nothing to do with you. So I think that can certainly be, you know, so a very strong way to do it. Particularly if you haven't had a super busy year and you don't have a lot of content. If you're getting started and, you know, Maybe this was your first year and you had, you know, eight weddings this year and you're struggling to have extra content to show off. Well, this is a great way to be able to be putting content out there that drives traffic to your website because otherwise you don't have it, Um, you know, so you could do like we said, you know, and and kind of have a multitude of, of options, especially if you only have a handful of weddings that you shot, you know, 10, 12 weddings. Then you could go back and, you know, say you have 10 weddings that are five minutes long. There's 50 posts, you know, cut that up into, you know, 30 to 60 second videos um, for Instagram. And there's 50 posts you've got right there. Um, and then go back and find, you know, some of your best still frames from there and grab another 100 from those. Now you've got 150 uh, you know, pieces of content ready to go, in addition to thinking about what are the other things that brides want to see and making that sort of clickable things that are going to drive traffic to your website. So yeah. awesome ideas. I
0: think the more co- types of content you have your name attached to, like the greater chances are that people are going to be coming to you eventually because, you know, they're going to, yeah, maybe they clicked on your blog and they were looking for, you know, that random piece you did on something unrelated. But then like later on, they're like, wait a second, that blog I was on, didn't they do video? Let me me go back and say, oh, wait, look, they do video or something like that. Or they just get used to seeing your content posting all the time. So then your name keeps popping up and then it's there. Also, like another thing about the blogs is that whenever I do a blog about weddings we've done, I will post that link on our Facebook page. And I will tag every single vendor that participated in that wedding. So then all those people get tagged. They'll come like it. They'll comment on it. They share it a lot. We get a lot of share type things from Facebook because we're tagging vendors that were involved. And then brides start to like that stuff. Brides that have that vendor but maybe don't know who we are. And then they see that. So the more you can think about that kind of stuff, the more you're going to get your name out there for sure.
1: I think that's you know, probably the most underutilized tool in our industry is tagging other vendors and content. I see, um, I I feel like probably 95% of the wedding videos that I see posted out there on people's, you know, personal or business pages have not tagged any vendors on it. And, So, you know, those other people don't see it. And those are the people who are far and away the most likely to share that content. We all know share is the most powerful thing somebody can do for us on social media. Um, And so, you know, if you want that stuff shared, uh, tag those vendors. Obviously, you know, the couples, hopefully they're going to share it. But, um, you know, if you can get 10 other vendors to click that share button you know, you're you're getting exponentially more more traffic, more visibility, and so much of advertising is just about advertising and marketing is just about omnipresence. You know, you just want to be everywhere. It's why, um, <clears throat> I mean, th- that's sort of the biggest sell that any advertiser gives you um, is sort of this. Uh, I think in a lot of cases is sort of a meaningless pitch, especially when you're talking like print ads and stuff. They're like, Oh, we well, just need to be everywhere. Um, but how much easier is it and more affordable, uh, rather than taking out these, these ads, these print ads, those sort of things to be omnipresent, to just tag all these vendors, you know, it takes, it takes very little time, um, to go and, and, and do that, but gets you, um, get your content in front of so many more people. Okay, so talking about, we're on the topic now of of marketing of advertising. This is also a really popular time of year, at least in our in our uh, city and in our area of the country, and I think in a lot of other places as well for for bridal shows um, because. I think because it's traditionally a slower time of year for actual planning, it's sort of a great time for these bridal shows to host things on the weekends because more wedding vendors are available, and so it's pretty common that bridal shows, open houses are happening during this season. Talk to talk to us about what we're doing on that front. Um, what, what's sort of the preparation, the planning? What are we thinking about in terms of getting ready for? We've got uh, at least three big bridal shows coming up in January, right?
0: Two, yes. Two.
1: Uh, we got. Uh, we got. Well, three, two right?
0: bridal shows as far as like the main bridal show that we do several times a year, and then we have another smaller open house type event where we will have a booth as well.
1: Yes, we'll actually have. There'll be four days out of in January where we'll be advertising at a bridal show type event.
0: Yeah. So I love January because. January, so we do the Austin Bridal Extravaganza, which happens three times a year. But January is the biggest show of the year because it is a two-day event. Typically, it's just a one-day event. So I think it's a super awesome way for us to kick off the year. You know, it's like we have, we come back from holidays, and the first thing on my plate for the new year is getting ready for the first bridal show in January. And it's awesome because... The thing I like about the January bridal show is that the first day of the show, I'm meeting all these people, we're talking to brides, but I have the luxury during the big show to say, "Hey, why don't you, you know, take some information, go home, think about it tonight, come back and see us tomorrow if you feel like you're, you know, really interested or you want to talk more." Or, you know, I feel like the chances for booking are higher in January because brides can come the first day kind of get the lay of the land, see the vendors they like, then they can come back the second day and actually book some vendors that they, you know, because they kind of have time to go home, think about it, sift through some stuff. And then if they want to book vendors at the show or take advantage of special deals, they can come back on the second day for that. So I kind of like having two days to kind of, you know, there's time to meet people. There's time for them to kind of think about things. You know, we have more time to answer questions. So it's nice to have two days for that. Um, But yeah, things to think about when prepping for that is like, what prints do we want to order? You know, I'm in the process of like, okay, the prints I've been using, we've had for like a year. So I want to refresh the prints with some new photographs. You know, I want to start thinking about what videos I want to feature in our booth. um, We've got a pretty solid design of our booth. So that's always kind of set. But it's like thinking about what content you want to show, making sure you've got updated business cards, pricing sheets, kind of everything you would need. And for a show this big, we're going to make sure that we have plenty of um, pricing sheets that we can hand out and business cards because we're going to be meeting a lot of people. And the great thing about the bridal shows is that they bring in so many leads for us. So it's really not like, necessarily about how many we book at the actual show. Like, it's great to book at the actual show, but it doesn't bother me whatsoever if we don't get many bookings at the show, because I walk away from that show with a list of hundreds of names and emails, and a lot of those people were genuinely interested, because some people will be like, no, I don't really want to give you my info, whatever, But a lot of them are like, oh, yes, I really want to give you my information.
1: Yeah, I mean, at a January show, we'll end up having, you know, 80 plus leads Um, and, uh, you know, then having a system in place. And so now if you don't have a system in place, now's the time to put your system in place, get on 17 hats or whatever uh, CRM that you have. If you don't have a CRM, my goodness, go get one, Um, because having a... Plan for what you're going to do with those leads once you get them is so critical. I think um, I hear so many people that come to these bridal shows and we see people that come and go, you know, most of the vendors who we see come to the bridal shows, they're there once or twice um, and then they they move on is because they didn't get the real value of the bridal show because they ended at, oh, well, I didn't book anything. Um, Well, yeah, maybe we didn't either this time. But um, we, we got 80 leads and, you know, we ended up turning that into 20, 25 weddings that we booked because we actually marketed them to, to them after the fact. And, and making that initial touching point was where the value was.
0: Yeah. Doing the bridal show is like 50% of the work. The other 50% comes when you go back to your office with however many leads and e- emails you brought in and taking the time to go through and email each one of them. And yes, if you don't have a CRM or any kind of template emails, that's gonna take forever. But we have, you know, 17 hats, you know, so I mean, it does require me plugging in each lead individually, which takes time, but I do it. I plug in every single lead, and then I attach them to one of our marketing workflows. And, you know, they'll get that initial email saying, hey, it was really great meeting you at the bridal show. And then kind of, you know, gives them some more information, you know, take a look around our website again. But then there's also a few other marketing emails attached to that workflow. So within the coming weeks, they're just going to be getting kind of some automatic emails about us, which is great because sometimes I won't hear back from someone until like the third email and they'll be like, oh, hey, yeah, so we've actually been thinking about you and we've been talking about it. You know, we just weren't quite ready at the time. But yeah, we've been looking at this. We'd like to schedule a phone call now or or whatever. So it's important to kind of have those email reminders going out even after the initial, you know, contact email where you say it was nice to meet you. If you have additional emails in place, then it's more likely that they're going to email you back eventually because a lot of times, you know, it's not that they're just not they're not ignoring you. They're just they have a thousand emails coming in. They're trying to plan their wedding. They're trying to pick twenty vendors. So those reminders are helpful because then they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's right. I, I was thinking about Ladybird. I gotta I gotta follow up on that because I'm interested. So having those kind of things in place is super, super important.
1: Yeah. One thing that I would also say when you're thinking about Um, how to be advertising how to be marketing yourself during this off season is a lot of us live in places where um, there are other large cities nearby that we are not really paying attention to and so if you are um you know particularly people like if you're in the northeast my goodness you should be advertising in like four cities because they're all within like a couple hours of you right so um if, if you're in the middle of the country, this might be a little bit more difficult. Um, maybe you're in a rural place and you've got, you know, a couple of cities that are like relatively close within, within a couple of hours um, and you've just been advertising in one. Think about advertising in the second. This is something that we're doing for the first time this year. Um, we have really spent all of our advertising dollars and sweat equity in the Austin market. And, you know, now um that we feel like we have you know really established ourselves deeply in the Austin market we have decided that it's time to stretch ourselves into a new city and so uh, thankfully we have another uh, large city uh, slightly larger even than Austin in, in San Antonio that's just about an hour away from us and so we're gonna start pushing into that city as well and so this is a good time. Um, again, when you've got some extra time to be thinking about where else might I want to work. I've also had friends who, like we were talking with the Switzers, who, you know, they do a lot of weddings local in the St. Louis area, but they're also doing a lot of weddings uh, in Orlando. Um, And particularly during the winter months when it's colder in St. Louis, they do a lot more work in Florida. Um, I have friends who live up in the Northwest and they'll come down, and they've picked a city um, in Arizona, and so they're sort of marketing themselves between the two cities, um, and so, you know, maybe you're like that. Maybe you live in North Dakota, and, uh, you know, Fargo is pretty tapped out for four or five months out of the year, um, but you would love to go come down to a warmer climate, and so, you know, you're passionate about creole culture so you're going to come and you know try to set up camp in new orleans for you know a few months out of the year um or or you know um uh, make some trips down so think about what are other places that you would like to be doing more work um and then you know come up with a strategy for how you can accomplish that Thinking outside of of what you're you're normally having in your head in terms of of what's possible um, and what I've always been doing and saying maybe what I've always been doing isn't the best thing. And so how else can I stretch and grow into new areas?
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice because if you have your own business and you're shooting wedding films, it's not like you're chained to a desk in an office in a certain city that you have to be there five days a week. You have the ability to travel like this kind of job is so great because you can virtually work wherever you want to. You know, I've I know filmmakers that are like, yep, I do weddings, you know, these months in this place. And then I spend six months in this place and and I work there. And it's kind of just depending on how you want to live your lifestyle. If you want to spend a few months here, a few months there, if you want to travel, if you want to kind of have a more diverse market go for it like because there's plenty of people out there that are doing that and that's just how they structure their business is i book this city these months i book this city these months and then sometimes i'll have a month where i'm doing non-wedding work and i'm doing other stuff so however you want to structure that for yourself do it
1: okay so i want to shift gears in the conversation we've been talking a lot about what to do in your business which obviously is I don't know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's 70% of this. (laughs) Um, We, we always sort of, uh, I think when we're getting into the industry, we sort of glorify the craft. And I think rightly so, like that's the reason we all get into this is because we love the craft, but without the business side of things, you're not going to get to do the craft. So that's why I want to spend the bulk of the time here at the beginning talking about the business side of things. But. I would want to talk about what we can be doing during this down season to really be improving our craft because we always want to be improving. I think the work of, of every filmmaker is to be a lifelong learner, to always be producing better work this year than they did the year before, regardless of what level they get to, to always be improving and making something that's better. That's pushing the envelope further. That is uh, offering more value to their clients. I you know a lot of people's goal is to who've gotten you know further along in their in their uh, business is you know maybe to shoot less and and make more. Um, so maybe if that's the place that you're at, or maybe you're just at the place where you know you're struggling to get business, and part of it is that you need to improve your craft. And so, let's talk more about what are the things that we can be doing during this season where we don't have a lot of weddings to shoot to be improving our craft. Shoot an idea at me, Taylor. What are you thinking about?
0: I would say one of the best things you can do to start is to go back and watch your work. Now, depending on how many weddings you shot in a year, like, I'm not going to go back and watch all, like, 150 that we've done this year because that would take forever for us. But... You know, maybe go back to the very first wedding you shot that year uh, and kind of, you know, critique yourself on that. And then, you know, maybe watch a few more throughout the year and then watch like the most recent one you've done and compare the two because you're probably going to find there are more things, you know, that you're like, oh, wow, look how differently I used to shot, shoot that wedding back at towards the beginning of the year and look at the new stuff now that I've done in, in my more recent films. Um, And see what those differences are and kind of think about the year and how you've shot and how you've evolved, because I guarantee you a year ago, you're not shooting the same as you are now. I can look back at myself a year ago and my go-to pieces of gear or my go-to types of shots were totally different a year ago than they are now. Um, So thinking about how you've evolved in that sense is super important because you can kind of hone in on. Things you really love, because there's going to be certain things that you're like, yes, I'm always going to incorporate those shots or this technique because it's classic. It works for me. It's one of my strengths. And then there's going to be things that you're like, oh, I experimented there. I tried that, but it's not really working for me or I want to kind of find something new. So seeing what you really like about your films that you don't want to lose and then seeing the things that maybe you want to either improve on or do away with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I was thinking about as an idea, we were actually watching yesterday um, our our good friend, Matt Johnson from Who Is Matt, uh, was doing like a live uh, critique of a whole bunch of different wedding films that people had submitted. Um, so one thing I was thinking about with that is if, if um, you know, you, maybe, maybe you have a buddy who's also in the industry if not you know reach out to someone who you see also in the wedding film Academy Facebook group who you see posting some stuff that you'd like to connect with and you know maybe y'all are at similar places or maybe they're more advanced than you um, and reach out to them and say hey you know let's uh, let's do each other a favor and let's watch each other's work and offer each other a critique um, we also have if you're not in it there is a Wedding Film Academy um, critique group. It's like a group that's specifically for critiquing work. So there's people who will will comment on your stuff over there. Um, It's not nearly as active as the the main group, but that's certainly a spot that um, you'll be able to get some feedback. But maybe hop over there and look at who are the people who are offering feedback on a regular basis and even reach out to them and say, hey, would you be willing to take a look at my work and offer some feedback? Um, I'll do the same for you, and we can kind of trade trade services in that way, make make a friend. Um, You know, also think about think about submitting your work for competitions. The uh, the WPPI Filmmakers Competition is coming up here in February, and I know they'll be taking submissions soon. So submit some films there. Um, I think it's it's pretty. I forget. There's a there's a nominal fee. I think, um, but it's it's pretty affordable to um, to submit a film there. And every film is watched by several judges, um, even the ones who don't make it to the live competition. They're all um, they're all viewed by some judges, and each of the judges is going to offer a critique for you. Um, so it's a great way to sort of see how your work stands up against some other people, according to the judges who are there um, and to get specific feedback from them about your film. So uh, you know, there's, there's definitely other competitions out there as well. Um, but that's definitely one I would recommend because it's judged by some, some fine folks, um, myself included. And so if you want to get feedback from some, uh, from some of the leading pros in the industry, then that's a great way to do it as well. Um, but I think in my in my filmmaking, that has always been one of the things that really propelled me forward. That I can point back to specific conversations I had with particular uh, filmmakers who are friends of mine, who I admired their work and they gave me feedback. Um, I can point. You know, right at the at the very the very beginning, you know, my my second film I ever did, I got a filmmaker who I really respected to give me his opinion on it, and it was incredibly valuable. I completely changed the way I did everything based on that conversation. Um, and then from there, you know, I actually had a buddy who I did this i uh, this thing where we traded um, we traded critiques with each other, a, a local filmmaker here, and that was just so valuable. So definitely kind of a, a different way to think about how to improve your craft. What's another idea you have for me, Taylor?
0: Real quick, I was going to say the thing about getting critiques, you know, it's not necessarily like, oh, someone's just going to tell me I did this thing wrong or I need to be better at this thing. It's like a lot of times when you get critiques, people give you ideas about things that you hadn't even thought of. Sometimes you'll get a suggestion and be like, oh, wow, wow. I, it never occurred to me to try that or to do that, or that's something I've never tried. So even more so than just like getting judged on basic things that you know you want to improve on or not, you're getting ideas for things, and that's especially you know when you're watching other people's work in unison with yours and seeing your critiques, seeing other critiques, you're just getting ideas for how you want to move forward in not only shooting but editing as well.
1: Absolutely. Um. Okay, one of the things that we were talking about um, before in the pre-show was um was was doing training for yourself. Um, talk to talk to me about that, Taylor.
0: Well, for us, since we're a volume brand, you know, the off season or the slower season is a great time to kind of get the team together. Um, you know, have some fun and do something unwork related first, but then also to kind of bring people in to kind of go through gear, you know, talk about things that we've done, ways we've shot, um, but to just kind of do another refresher training, even for leads, just kind of like going over, you know, basic things, um, talking about what we've done well this year as a whole, as a team, and then things that each specific person can improve on or learn from someone else. Um, And like, yeah, just getting the chance to play with gear during a time when you're not going to any event, you're not even shooting anything in particular. You're just running around outside or in the office or we go somewhere and we're we're just playing, um, experimenting with things, um, trying stuff, and, yeah, learning from each other. And that's kind of the kind of training I think is beneficial. It's not like, hey, come in so we can teach you something you don't know. It's more like, hey, we all know the basics. Now let's build on that a little bit. Let's, you know... Let's sit down as a team and watch a couple films by other people that were outstanding and talk about some of the stuff they did that maybe we can start working on and kind of things like that.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that could be just really beneficial is spending some more time getting acquainted with your gear and thinking about what are the, what are the tools that you have access to that you aren't fully utilizing. Um, you know, maybe you have a, um, maybe you have a a new gimbal that you've just sort of, you know, opened it up and, and balanced it and got to work, but maybe you didn't realize it's got a few extra tricks in it that, you know, you aren't aware of. So, you know, watch some YouTube videos, try to learn more about that tool. Maybe you bought a drone recently and you've only been tapping into, uh, you know, 30% 30% of the features of that drone and you really have been unaware of other tools that it has that can take your shots to the next level. So get out there and fly, watch some videos that are going to teach you some of the the intricacies of it, you know, crack open the manual if you're more of a, you know, a, if you learn better from reading. Um but you know, tap into those tools. I, I actually with with your camera too. I I hear so many people that, you know, I'll, I'll mention something about a feature that my GH5 has, and they're also a GH5 shooter, and they had no clue that the camera had this feature, you know, like, like SynchroScan, you know, people, I see people posting videos, and it's got this awful flickering in it, and, you know, they tell me they shot it with the GH5, and I said, well, why didn't you use scan? and they didn't even know what that was, and I said, what's, well, it's how you get rid of that flicker you can make micro adjustments to your shutter in order to get rid of that flicker. And so there's, there's things like that, that, you know, if you're just not fully aware of what your gear is capable of, this is a great time to get really intimate with your gear and learn it well. Um, Maybe there's a weakness in your films that you already know about. This is the time to hone that craft to, to figure out what those things are that are weaknesses. And then, figure out how to fix those things. I know for a lot of people, maybe it's audio, maybe capturing good audio is a weakness of theirs. So, you know, dive in deep with that. Find, find tutorials online. Um, you know, really get to know your equipment and what, what's, what it's capable of. Explore new ideas and ways about how you can capture audio on a wedding day. Maybe for you it's color. Go back and listen to our color series. for goodness gonna say what a wonderful series that was from some really amazing filmmakers and colorists. So highly recommend that. But uh, you know, take um, take the advice from from those episodes from that color series. Maybe go back with some of your older films and recolor them. You know, take that, that info and put it to use. If you don't have new stuff that you filmed, then go back to those and see if you can make those films look even better. Um, so you have better work for your website because your color's better now. So think about the things that you know are weaknesses for yourself and uh, practice those, fix those things in the slower season so that when it comes time for the spring and you've got a bunch of weddings lined up, that your work is going to be that much better.
0: Yeah. And I think thinking about, you know, your weaknesses and why are they your weaknesses? You know, sometimes it's just, oh, it's a skill I want to practice more. But sometimes, and I can say this personally, I find that my weakness is just something that's being hindered by gear. It's not that I don't have whatever skill it is I need to achieve, you know, the certain shots I'm doing. It's just that, oh, I'm not using the best gear, the best tools to film, you know, I need to be shooting in a different way or I need to come at it from a different standpoint. Um, like for example, I used to be, um, heavily shooting on monopod all day, which I love the monopod. It's great. And it was a really great tool, you know, starting out and getting super comfortable with shots um, and stability. But now given the stabilization in our cameras, and some of our lenses, you know, getting dual stabilization, I've transitioned to doing mostly handheld shots. And I have found that I have been able to get a much wider range of shots on the wedding day than if I'm just locked down on a monopod for a long period of time. Um, So just simply transitioning to a different piece of gear, or in this case, to like less gear, has helped me to become a better shooter. So I think during the off season, like really go through your, your gear and take inventory um, because you're going to have your go-to pieces of gear that you're like, yes, this works for me. I'm strong in this. You know, keep those things and make sure you know how to use them at full function. And then I'm sure after one year, you're going to find that there are things that you have that you're like, oh man, I haven't pulled that out in months or well, I take it with me, but when I use it, it doesn't really serve me well. So maybe it's time to sell off a few things. You know, maybe you've got your eye on something that you want to try instead. Poor you need to do that. Yeah. A lot of times (laughs) during this holiday season is one of the best times to buy new gear because there's tons of sales, tons of deals, new stuff is coming out. So if you're already a great time to
1: sell stuff. Yes. People are looking to buy that stuff for Christmas gifts and whatnot.
0: Exactly. It goes both ways. So if you really kind of know you've got some stuff that's either old, broken, you don't use, doesn't serve you anymore. This is the perfect time to kind of clear out stuff and then really hone in on the gear that serves you well.
1: I think that's great advice. I'm going to go back to this idea of working on your craft and especially the things that you know are weaknesses and doing something to turn those into a strength. I think so much of it just comes down to our... Um, our lack of practice at certain things, right? If you, if you don't have, or whether it's practice or knowledge of those things, you know, one thing that I see a lot of people talking about is uh, manual focus pulling. There are, you know, as, as good as some of the autofocus systems are getting, I was actually watching a film the other day where somebody was talking about their new camera that had incredible autofocus. And then uh, they showed me the film And I said, you know, that's cool, you know, that, that you can do that, but here's, here's three places in the film where the autofocus made your film worse rather than made it better. I know it probably made your life easier, but you know, you were, you were shooting an autofocus on the gimbal, you're doing the sweeping shot of the couple doing their first dance and you're focused in on the groom. And as you go around it auto focuses and pulls focus to the back of the bride's head. And the rest of that sweeping shot that you showed in there is just, you know, it's got the back of the bride's head in focus and the groom's completely out of focus. And so that ruined that shot, you know. So there's, there's, I'm not saying don't use auto focus, but there's a time and a place for that. And there's also a time and a place for learning how to pull focus manually. So if, if that's a skill that you you know are weak at, this is a great time to practice that. You know, have have a friend, have a family member, a kid, uh, whoever walk towards you, practice focus pulling to them. This is a great time of year to practice these skills because we've got all these you know holiday gatherings. Most people are going to be getting together with friends or family over these uh, these holidays coming up here, and so if you're planning on doing that. You know, make a film about that. Spend some time. If you've got kids, make a film about your family. Make one about your kids. You know, explore some funny concept. Make an epic home video. And as you're doing that, focus in on the things that you feel like are weaknesses and practice those things through the process of making these cool home videos. You know, maybe make a make a travel film about the place that you're going to celebrate with your family. Make a travel film about your local city that you're in. You know, maybe that can get you some cool local publicity by making a cool travel film about your city. Even if you're in a, you know, a small town in Minnesota, you know, make a a cool film about, uh, you know, the winter in your small town.
0: Yeah, and actually I want to connect this back to what we talked about earlier in this episode about being active on social media. If you're making content like this during your downtime, especially during the holidays, yeah, let's say you it starts off as you practicing, but then you're like, wow, I can actually cut together a cool little video, however short or long it is, about my family, about this party, about this place that I traveled. People wanna see stuff like that on your social media, especially for those of you who it's just you, you're shooting all your weddings, so you're kind of the face of your company and people know like they're getting you they want to be interested in your life like i know this this photographer couple their names are Travis and Nina Tank and we've had them on the show before and they have such a large following on social media because of how much they post about what they're doing yeah non-wedding related Nina will be doing instagram stories out the wazoo i mean just about everything about her kids about trips they're taking um, she'll almost vlog style do Instagram stories and she's always sharing stuff that they're doing and people are so into it And the clients that they book They're like their friends by the time they get to the wedding because they've been following their life and they're invested So if you're posting content like that and people are getting to kind of a look into what your life is like Especially in the holidays and stuff that is gold like that is absolutely golden content that not everybody thinks about because some people will be like, just go dormant for a little while because they're like, eh, I don't have many weddings and I'm gonna do some other stuff. So like, whatever, you know, I'll get back later. But people like to see that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's um, it's ways to get yourself in front of people that you might not normally get in front of. You know, one of my one of uh, probably my favorite uh, corporate client and one who, you know, um, when I say my favorite, it's like the content that we get to make for her is just, uh, we're, our team is passionate about it. We love getting to, to work with her in this nonprofit that she runs, um, but, you know, she also spent $15,000 with us last year, and that came from me posting this Uh, This little like drone selfie of myself and my buddy in front of my house. You know, one of those selfies where you start out with the drone right in front of you and you fly away and then you just reverse it and and post. Um, But I just posted that little selfie and uh, that was how she ended up hiring me or reaching out to me to ask about, you know, a job. So you never know what kind of random stuff that you can post that's going to lead to more work. Um, So I, I just love that idea of um, of creating content like that, not only is it going to lead to more work, um, not only is it going to improve your craft and help you make better films when it comes time for your busy season, but you know, it might be something that your family cherishes for the rest of your life. You know, I've got a couple of pretty epic home videos that I've made with my family. And I know that those are going to be things that I cherish, that my kids cherish for the rest of their life and you know what what price can you put on that so i just think yeah what a wonderful idea taylor
0: yeah and you know the quality of your work matters and putting good work out there matters but a lot of times people just want to book you for who you are like especially when they're looking at a sea of vendors and there are several in the same price range that have similar looking work it's like well, how do you narrow this down exactly? A lot of times, people are gonna book the person they connect with that they feel like, oh, you know, I've really connected with who they are. You know, I met them, and there was just you know a good connection there. Or oh, I love you know the stuff that they post about their family, and it just I I relate to them. And those are the little things that you don't think about that really do influence what people you know want for their wedding. Like put yourself in their shoes. If you were looking for someone, are you, you know, gonna just book the best wedding film you see on the internet, or are you gonna actually care about who's behind the camera?
1: Absolutely. So one other thing that I think is really important and it's something that you know come come end of December, early January is pretty common um, for for people all around the world is to be thinking about goals. I think this is really a critical thing for any business owner to really be thinking about. What are the goals? What do I want to accomplish in 2019? What are the things that, um, you know, how do I see myself moving forward? I think there's so many different categories of goals that you can make. You know, maybe if you're if you're just starting out, um, you know, your goal is just to, um, you know, to, to improve your craft in X, Y, and Z ways, right? Um, maybe it's to book X number of weddings. Maybe it's to book X number of weddings at X price. Um, you know, maybe it's a certain, uh, dollar amount and sales that you want to, um, that you want to get to. Maybe you want to, um, you know, connect with, um, with, with 10 new vendors who are going to put you on their preferred vendor list. Um, come up with, with. Tangible, real goals. Don't come up with these goals of, I'm going to be better than I was in 2018. That's not a real goal. You know, you need to come up with real, tangible goals that you that are measurable. Um, because having something to aim at is so critical. If you're if you're not aiming at something, then you're just wandering, um, and you're never going to get to where you want to go because you don't even know where you want to go. So. One thing that I think can be really helpful, um, this is something I picked up from Gary Keller of Keller Williams Realty. He has a book called The One Thing. Fantastic book. If you haven't read that, you should totally pick that up. Um, It doesn't really, you don't have to be in the real estate industry for this to matter at all. Um, But he, uh, I think, and as far as I know, it's the largest real estate company in America. I know that it's also the fastest growing um which is pretty crazy to if you're both of those things but um one of the things that he attributes to that success is the way that he thinks about uh goals and how to accomplish those goals so one thing that he'll do is he'll set these uh he'll he'll set different time limits on these goals right so he might have a 10 year goal a 5 year goal a, a one year goal a six-month goal, a three-month goal, one-month goal, a week goal, Um, and and he thinks about what is the one thing I could do today that would help me get, that will help me accomplish that goal, you know. um, And let's just say that you have a, let's say one of your goals is that, you know, in 2019, I want to book um you know, $150,000 worth of business. Okay. So if that's your goal for 2019, then what is your, um, you know, what's your, what's your three month goal. That's going to help you get to that one year goal. What's your one month goal that helps you, helps you get to that three month goal. And what's your week goal that helps you get to that month goal. Now, what's the one thing that you could do, um, to accomplish that one week goal just one thing, and put that at the very top of your list. You're not allowed to do anything else. Nothing can be done uh, today except that one thing. If If you get that one thing done, then you could be done for the day. But you're not allowed to do anything else until that one thing is done. I think I found myself, and I imagine other people have found themselves guilty of this, is you know there's one thing really important you need to do and then you get so caught up in the busyness of everything else that you do all these other things and then you realize at the end of the day you didn't even do that one thing. So pick out the one thing that's going to help you get to that one week goal that again leads to the month goal and the and all the way up to the, to the one year or the 10 year goals that you have and get that one thing done and then you can start doing the other things. So um, setting up your goals in a in a real tangible way that then um, you know you can have tasks these one things that sort of over time are going to step by step build you to that goal that will make sure that you do accomplish these things and I guarantee you you won't accomplish them if you don't have that sort of um, guiding direction.
0: Wow. So that's that is an awesome way to look at it because you know we are all especially at the beginning of a new year and you know it's the trend everyone set those big goals what are your resolutions for the new year and it's so easy to make these giant goals that are so you know like oh this is my ultimate dream and I have these big lofty goals and they're shimmering off in the distance and it but like if you don't think about it deeper than that it's just going to be this big huge goal that's lingering in the distance and then eventually it gets more distant and more distant and you're not sure how to get there and then you get discouraged more easily but if you break it down into the smallest of steps then you then you when you do that one small step you're like you feel good oh i got that one step done yep and then i have this next step that i'm going to work on and if you have a lot of small steps to build up to it then each day when you're just focusing on one small thing then three months later five months later a year later you're gonna be like oh my gosh look where I'm at now I wasn't focused on the end goal I was focused on each step of the journey which you know that's kind of a cliche saying but it's so important to focus on the journey and all the steps it takes to get there because if you don't know the steps how are you gonna get there
1: yeah absolutely and that's the thing is like if you if you create a a realistic, um, you know, one year goal like this and, and you, you make the steps, you know, like I have to do these things in order to accomplish that, you will accomplish that goal. Um, it's, it's not a matter of if you do is if you set that realistic goal and then you figure out what are the steps that need to be taken and you put those things as the priority in your life, I promise you, you're going to accomplish those goals. Um, but again, without it, you're going to be you're going to be aimless you're not going to make any improvements in your business you're going to um, not improve your filmmaking you're you're just going to be out there wandering aimlessly and i think that's the trap that most people get into and it's why we see so many people that come and go in this industry you know most most wedding filmmaking wedding photography businesses don't last more than 2 or 3 years and i think this is probably the biggest reason why is because there's just sort of this idea that you know, oh, well, my, my art will stand on its own and, you know, I'll grow because people see how beautiful my photos and video are and it'll all be great. Um, that just doesn't work. You know, so, yeah, having having a direction that you're headed um, is, is the only way to make real long-term success in this industry.
0: Yeah. And right before we wrap up this episode, I just want to give a shout out to all of you out there who are, you know, doing this part-time and you're still working your day job or whatever else you're doing that's making your income and you're really, really wanting to start shooting wedding films full-time. And I know for a lot of you, that's probably your goal for 2019. So if that's your goal for 2019, do what we have said. Make those steps because I promise you there's a way to quit your job and do this full-time. There's a ton of us that do it full-time. So use this off-season, this holiday season, whatever it is for you, even if you're working another job, you're going to have some downtime. So decide what those steps are for you. And if you follow those steps, even if there's 50 steps, 100 steps, you can do it. Because there's absolutely a way to transition into doing this full-time. And I believe in all you people. And if you need my help... (laughs) <laughs> DM me. I'm an open book. I'll answer any questions about, you know, business stuff, whatever. You know, you probably have a lot of, you know, creative guidance out there. There's all kinds of creatives. But if you just have like logistical questions, feel free to hit us up anytime.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love that. And, you know, if, if that is your goal, if you're if you're doing this part-time, make your goal 2019 that you're going to replace your income. So if you make, whether you make $30,000 or $100,000, if you've got a family and you sort of have like a, you know, uh, sort of a, this is our, this is our, this is what it takes to maintain our lifestyle, you know, whether that's, again, whether that's 30,000, whether it's a hundred thousand, make it your goal that you're going to, in 2019, you're going to replace your income. So, so you basically your, um, your sales are going to equal whatever your salary is at your job whatever you're used to making at your job and then, and then set up those shorter term goals so that step by step, you can get to that point. Once you get to that point where you know, you're know you making as much making wedding films as you are your other job, it's an easy no brainer. I can quit my other job. Now I can do this full time um, and go for it. And while you're doing that this year, you know, and you've still got that full time job, Throw as much money back into your business as you can. Um, and hopefully, you know, that means maybe it's all of it. You know, maybe you can put all that money back into your business um, to really grow it. And so that that way, whenever you do decide that you're going to quit the day job, now you've, you've got all the tools you need. Um, you know, you've already spent all this money on your advertising or whatever it is. However you spent that money. Um, on, on maybe hiring a, an editor or studio manager or whatever it is, um, but now you've got all of that money that can now go back into replacing your, your income, right? So, um, love it. This is going to be an awesome 2019 for so many of you, I know, because you're going to listen to this series and so many others, and you're going to kick butt. So, Um, thanks to all of you who are still listening because you are our loyal patrons you are why we do what we do and you are the ones who are helping us to to continue creating amazing content so thank you for listening here to the end thank you for your support on patreon we've got a new video on the wedding film uh, on the what do you call the How to Film a Wedding Series Um, for our $10 patrons. patrons, We've got a a new video um, that will be up by the time we release this podcast. And so if you're not a $10 patron, um, then you can definitely upgrade for just an extra 5 bucks a month. This month uh, we are having an excellent video by Adam Grumbo. um, Really excellent um, beach wedding that he did and... Yeah, just phenomenal stuff. He's a great filmmaker to learn from. So excited for you guys to have that. So thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next week.
0: The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe on Patreon so you never miss a show. And when you're done, head on over to the Wedding Film Academy Facebook group to chat with other wedding filmmakers like yourself. Until next time keep making movie magic.